the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hour number two, Bruce Hooley Show. We covered extensively, I would say, the resignation of Ohio State President Christina Johnson in hour number one. If you'd like to hear that, if you missed it, catch the podcast at 989theanswer.com or theanswerdayton.com. A little inside baseball note. Tomorrow's show will be pre-taped as I'm heading to North Carolina to uh, take in the Ohio State-Duke basketball game. On Wednesday night and Thursday and Friday, I will be out. So today is the uh, last live show uh, of the week, but you're encouraged to listen. And Mike Gallagher will be in this slot on, well, Mike Gallagher and Dennis Prager will be in this slot on Thursday and Friday. But there will be a show tomorrow. It'll just be done uh, early in the morning before I head out of town. Uh, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, or presumed House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, he doesn't have the votes yet. I wonder what they're going to do if McCarthy doesn't get the votes to be House Speaker. There's this wild rumor going around this possibility that they can name somebody House Speaker who's not an actual member of the House. That's in the Constitution. You can do that. And there are those who think, oh, maybe Trump will be Speaker of the House. There's this weird fascination people have with Donald Trump being the Speaker of the House. I don't think the spotlight on Speaker of the House is big enough for Donald Trump, okay? I think there are parts of that job that he would like, giving him a gavel and the chance to, like, bang it when AOC gets up or Pramila Jayapal or some other member of the squad gets up. That he would like. But uh, being third in line to be the president? No, he wouldn't like that. So McCarthy was at the White House this morning. Why is Kevin McCarthy at the White House? Meeting with Joe Biden. Because Joe Biden needs Kevin McCarthy's help. Joe Biden, Mr. Union Joe, Mr. I ride the trains and trains are awesome, cannot get the various unions involved in America's rail system to agree to a contract. Now, we've covered this before, the machinations around this rail contract. First of all, in the summertime, the federal mediator, who's a government employee charged with getting the unions and their management on the same page on a rail contract so that we don't have one-third of the nation's freight sitting idly at freight yards, the federal mediator got up and walked out of the negotiations. Now, this was done to introduce fear with the intended purpose at the time Oh my, a rail strike, a rail strike. Oh no, what are we going to do? A rail strike. The mediator would go back in at the last minute, broker a deal with the unions who are friendly to Joe Biden because Joe Biden does whatever they tell him to do. They give heavily to his campaign, quid pro quo. Biden was going to send the mediators in at the last minute, rail strike averted. Oh, look at Joe Biden. He's super competent. Vote for Democrats in the midterms. So the second part of that equation played out. The mediator did go back in. Joe Biden did announce a deal. He announced a deal in September. We have a deal. Everything is great. Except 
they didn't really have a deal. They had like the framework of a deal that looked good, but we're not really sure if everybody is going to agree to said deal. Well, now that we are on the cusp of December and the Christmas holidays are approaching, turns out we don't have a deal. Why not send the federal mediator in? Why doesn't Union Joe Biden, Mr. Train Riding Joe Biden, go back in? No, no. Joe Biden now wants the help of Congress because there is a stipulation in law that will allow, will allow Congress to make it illegal for the rail union workers to strike for 80 days. They can basically forestall a strike around the holidays, giving them theoretically 80 more days to come to an agreement. So that's why Kevin McCarthy is at the White House. What happened to leadership? What happened to, I'm a union guy and I understand unions and all the other catchphrases that Joe Biden throws out there? Well, they've been neutered by his rank incompetence, which has spread to every avenue of his presidency, now including the chance for an agreement on a rail strike. The strike could take place, I don't think it will, December the 9th, as rail companies and labor unions failed to reach an agreement on matters like health benefits and wage increases. There was a 24% wage increase in the document they agreed to in September. 24%. Now, we had a member of the uh, rail unions, my friend Jonathan from Patriot Switch, who said that what the rail union workers want is they want time off to attend medical appointments and things like that. They're always, quote-unquote, smaller items in every contract that you have to get agreement to. Well, it turns out these smaller items were not really that small to some people. Biden said yesterday that Labor Secretary Marty Walsh, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, oh, yes, Pete Buttigieg, and Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack, have been in constant contact with labor unions and rail companies. Well, that would be good, right? No, that's not good. Because they currently see, according to Joe Biden, quote, no path to resolve the dispute at the bargaining table. What happened? What happened to the path? They were all walking in unison together in September, a month or so before the midterms when Democrats wanted you to believe that they were competent and there was nothing to fear. Now, not so much. The daily, I said daily, economic cost of a nationwide rail shutdown could account to, could amount to $2 billion. $2 billion. Recession, anyone? Inflation, anyone? What do you think it's going to do to products that are at market by truck or plane if 30% of products typically transported by rail, and that includes oil that's refined into gas, if 30% of those products are sitting around because the rail union workers are on strike. Remember, inflation is too much money chasing too few goods. If you have 30% of the goods in the country not available because they're not being shipped by rail, that's 30% fewer goods. Same amount of money. That's more money chasing fewer goods. Up goes inflation. I see more trucks on the road. I see more jobs for truckers. The question is, how much is it going to cost them in diesel fuel? I was going to say, which brings us to yes, the diesel shortage. exactly. Yeah. So it is 
perhaps a bit too all-encompassing to say that everything this administration touches turns to manure, but only perhaps too all-encompassing. Because even the things that they purportedly had solved, the rail situation, because they're all singing from the same songbook, unions, living wage, all that stuff. They're singing from the same songbook, and they cannot come to an agreement. Um, pretty amazing stuff. Meanwhile, what's the White House really concerned about? Well, free speech, of course. Uh, knocking it down. <laughs> Reducing it. The uh, press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, yesterday was asked a question by a reporter. I said a reporter from Reuters. Now, Reuters is the European version of the Associated Press. Reuters is I mean, kind of in the news business, kind of in the information business. Except to hear this reporter speak, it would sound as if she is not that excited about information being readily available, particularly if said information is information, well, you know, um, misinformation, which is things that make the Democrats look bad. Uh, if misinformation is circulating on Twitter, the Reuters journalist is, uh, well, quite concerned about that very, very thing. This is a critical moment, really, in terms of um, ensuring that Twitter does not become a vector for misinformation. Ooh. I mean, are you concerned about the, you know, Elon Musk says there's more and more uh, subscribers coming online. Are you concerned about that? And what tools do you have? Who is it? at the White House that is really keeping track of this? So, look, this is something that we're certainly uh, keeping an eye on. And uh, look. um, Now, she says look, um, because that's what she has to do. She has to look, um, at her book and read you the rest of her response about information being too prevalent via Twitter, which has got, what she say, more subscribers now that Elon Musk is in charge. And he's unblocked people who were blocked for posting information about Twitter that was misinformation that later proved to be true. Now let Corinne Jean-Pierre read from her little tiny factoids given to her by someone else. Look, um, we, you know, we have always been very clear um, um, and that uh, when it comes to social media platforms, it is their responsibility uh, to make sure that um, when it comes to misinformation, when we when we comes to the hate that we're seeing, uh, that they they take action, that they continue uh, to take action. Again, we're now, has it always been social media platforms' responsibility? I seem to remember something called Section Two Thirty that absolves. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other platforms from the content on the platform because they are platforms. They're not publishers. See, I can't just get out here on the air and spout willy-nilly things that are untrue because I'm a publisher. I'm not a platform. If you're a platform, you just post what other people say. So it's not really their job. So they are very concerned at the White House with a little thing called free speech. Um, Free speech, defined by the Biden administration and by Democrats, is speech they like. That's free speech. You're free to speak that. 
If you speak anything else, that the transgender ideology is not good for kids, that uh, drag queen story hour is fine if it's an adult audience, but not an audience filled with minor children, uh, that speech is not free. That speech is, uh, well, that's hate speech. In fact, that speech is violence. Unless, of course, you're in a situation where not saying anything is violence because sometimes speech is violence and sometimes silence is violence. It all depends upon what the speech is or what the silence is standing in the way of. So yesterday at the White House, a reporter from Reuters asked Corinne Jean-Pierre about who's monitoring the misinformation that's going out there on Twitter now that Elon Musk is allowing free speech on Twitter. Now listen, free speech does not mean it is free of inaccuracy. It does not mean that it is free of ugliness. But when you have someone, whoever it is, Republican or Democrat, sitting in judgment of what speech is allowed, by the way, free speech is not free of consequence either. You have freedom of speech. You do not have freedom of consequence. There are things I could say on this radio show that would be an exercise of my free speech. It would be the end of my job if I did that. So you don't have freedom of consequences. But built into free speech is the awareness that if you try to silence any speech, eventually you will get to the point where speech will be silenced that is not harmful. It's just a different opinion. Just a different opinion. Because we have transitioned in our country from an era where Democrats and Republicans could, the old saying goes, agree to disagree, or at least state their opinions and just say, you know, we we disagree on this. We disagree on tax policy. We disagree on immigration policy. We disagree on international policy, military policy. Now we're at a point where disagreement does not end at the difference in the policy. Disagreement means the other side is evil. Now, in some respects, the other side is evil. I mean, if you are advocating for drag shows to indoctrinate kids into overly sexualized, cartoonish images of women, that is evil. Like, for instance, this Holly drag show, whatever it is, thing they're going to do in Clintonville on Saturday, the thing the Proud Boys are showing up to protest, the thing that Columbus police are going to attend to try to keep the peace. The people on the LGBTQ side of the aisle always tell you that, you know, you're being you're being hateful and you're you're a free speech denier if you don't allow drag queens to read to minors. If you don't think that's the agenda, let me just play you a cut yesterday from a post on Libs of TikTok. This is a drag queen talking about what drag queens do. I want you to listen to this closely. This is what they call saying the quiet part out loud. I read to kids in drag for a nonprofit called Drag Queen Story Hour. Drag Queen Story Hour uses drag to promote literacy, teach about queer lives, and spark kids' imagination. But programs like ours are being under attack. Right-wing politicians are spreading dangerous conspiracy theories about and inciting violence against drag performers and queer communities everywhere. This is part of a coordinated campaign to deny the rights of queer people 
who already endured disproportional rates of suicide and homelessness, and they're trying to legislate us out of existence. Okay, this is such a lie. They are not trying to legislate you out of existence. Drag shows have existed. I remember going to Ohio State, and there was a place in the, then was a seedy area, the short north. There was a place in the short north where there were drag shows. Nobody had a problem with it. You know why? Because no kids were going. Because no parents were taking their kids. You're an adult. You want to go in there. You've got a perverted, demented, weird, twisted outlook on life. You find that enjoyable. You find it curious. Whatever. Go. Fine. Nobody had a problem with it at all. And they've been around ever since. It's not like they went away and came back. But it's the, what did they say? I'll play it again. Listen to the beginning. What's the goal? What's the goal of the drag queen? What do they do with kids? I read to kids in drag for a nonprofit called Drag Queen Story Hour. Drag Queen Story Hour uses drag to promote literacy, teach about queer lives, and spark kids' imagination. Promote literacy. Debatable. Talk about queer lives and spark kids' imagination. So they want to raise a lifestyle, and then they want the kids to imagine being a part of that lifestyle. But they're not indoctrinating. They're just trying to get kids to imagine how that lifestyle might involve those children. So then he goes on to talk about, oh, we're being targeted, and we have high suicide rates. Well, you can have a high suicide rate and have nothing to do with the fact that people object to you reading to kids. That can have... Something to do with the fact that maybe just maybe there's a lack of inner peace in someone who would find it fulfilling to try to get kids to imagine themselves doing what you are doing, which is dressing up in a garish, exaggerated view of femininity when you are, in fact, a man. Now, it has become, they would say, hateful to tell someone who considers themselves a man, even though they are, or considers themselves a woman, even though they are a man, it is hateful to say, no, you are not a woman. No, you are not a woman. But it's only hateful if an opponent of drag shows is the one saying it. It's not hateful if it is the LGBTQ side of the aisle saying it themselves. You say, well, they don't say that, Bruce. Ah, yes, they do. Yes, they do. Have you noticed? Have you noticed? Remember the shooting at the Colorado Gay Nightclub? Happened about, what, a week ago, maybe? Horrific event. Horrific event. Was all over the news. And then a day or two later... It was reported that the shooter was non-binary. Non-binary means you don't identify as a man. You don't identify as a woman. You use they, them pronouns. So the the shooter identifies as transgender. Well, that story sure has vanished from the headlines, has it not? Because the narrative changed. What does the narrative change to? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.